In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. O God of many names, we pray that you would send your spirit upon both the reading and the hearing of these ancient words, that we might be attentive to your word for us this day. We make this prayer in the power of the one who is the Messiah. Amen. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of your God that I am commanding you this day by loving the Holy One, walking in God's ways, and observing God's commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous as the Holy One will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, And you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life, so that you and your descendants may live, loving God, obeying and holding the fast to God, for that means life to you and the length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Holy One swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, and it's also printed on the back of your announcements if you'd like to follow along. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that, you, that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with them, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. 
Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to God. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great sovereign. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Any, anything more than this comes from the evil one. Here ends our reading. We lost a plate this weekend. It's been cracked for a while, but it gave up holding together and broke. This was the opening line to a blog entry by Scottish artist Hazel Terry. I couldn't help but chuckle when I read it. So dramatic, but also reflective of the way life is. You could replace the word plate with so many things with relationship. It's been cracked for a while, but it gave up holding together and broke. It could be a beloved animal whose body finally gave out, or some piece of history inherited, a physical reminder of the invisible ties that bind us. It could be your grandfather's fishing rod, your great-grandmother's teacups, or a quilt made from children's play clothes, layers of fabric and storytelling that kept your family warm for generations. So it's not just the loss of a plate, but a link to the memories, the picnics, the laughter, the shared company, the sick days, and the comfort of chicken noodle soup. Hazel has since made a hobby of collecting kitchen midden, a term used in archaeology. Wiki tells us a midden, also known as kitchen midden or shell heap, is an old dump for discarded domestic waste. 
It can include animal bone, botanical material, mollusk shells, pot sherds, pieces of stone tools, and other artifacts associated with past human occupation. Hazel describes taking her dog on walks and combing the beaches of North Edinburgh, picking up midden as she goes. She writes, it is the ceramics that I gather mainly, and some bits of glass. I like to think of the lives that these objects were part of, right from the person who made it, painted it, to the person that chose it, used it, and eventually broke it. I imagine the medicines and the medicine bottles and the people they treated, cured or failed, the teapots and the conversations they overheard. At our old home, I used to beachcomb the sea of plowed fields. For once it had rained, all the midden crocs would rise to the surface of the chocolate sea of soil ready to be harvested. It's such a satisfying string of images, scattered pieces of our lives rising to the surface of the chocolate sea of soil, ready to be harvested. Of course, I don't imagine the initial breaking of those scattered bits was so welcome, unless maybe done with celebratory in intention. I don't usually think a plate I've broken is beautiful, whether a literal plate or a metaphorical one. I usually think it's ruined. But remembering my own beach treasures and looking at Hazel's, there's a picture of them on the front of your bulletin. They are beautiful. Somewhere in letting the broken pieces go, offering them to the ocean or to the soil, we begin to see differently. When the time comes for the waves to return them, when the rains have washed away the cover of dark soil, we accept they changed and receive them back as something miraculous something weathered by time, like rusted metal decorating a desert scene with its own life to tell. Hazel's midden collection has become sizable, so she's made an open invitation to share it with other artists, poets, playwrights, illustrators, musicians, to see how they might be inspired by these little scraps of lives lived, as she puts it. Like pen pals, she mails off five pieces at a time, and the artists send back their reimaginations. And those who follow her blog get to catch the delight of playful creativity all over again. Brokenness doesn't seem so final. In our readings from this morning, the people are looking for a future worth hoping for. Those who followed Moses into the wilderness, and the generations who still look to him for guidance, including the audiences of Deuteronomy and Matthew, 
left pieces of their lives scattered in fields of wheat. Moses offers them his farewell address that the sunlight of possibility might continue to live in them. He acknowledges they will falter. He expects they will know heartache. And they may even bring on some of it themselves. But he believes a future worth hoping for is within their reach. Key to this bright future? Taking care of one another as community. Scholar Brett Younger points out that throughout Moses' address, which is much longer than the very tail end that we get, he describes canceling the debts of the poor, limiting punishment to protect human dignity, offering hospitality to slaves, paying employees fairly, and leaving part of the harvest for those in need. This is what it means to love God with all our heart and soul and strength. Surely, Moses says, this instruction which I enjoin upon you this day is not too baffling for you, nor is it beyond your reach. No, the thing that is very close to you, it is in your mouth and in your heart to observe it. I'd like to think that at least for a time, the people received Moses' prayer for well-being and tasted the utopian dream. But by the time Jesus is giving his Sermon on the Mount, of which our reading today is part of, a lot of energy has been spent parsing what Moses meant when he gave his instruction. What are the outer limits required? As Jesus speaks, he keeps trying to get back to the heart of the matter, caring for one another as a community bound together. As if seeing the plate breaking, he says, no, we shouldn't murder, but we should also not foster less overt forms of violence that dehumanize one another. There is no credence to any boys will be boys kind of excuse for the layers of violence done to women. Don't blame it on your eyes. Don't blame it on your hands. Deal with the root of the problem. Not that Jesus fully deals with the, with the root of it. Women are still property in his exhortation. But Jesus makes clear we should be able to trust one another. Our words should have value. The agreements we make should not have to be ensured by God or heaven and earth, or our own head. There is constant upkeep required for life in community. Our relationships cost something. Jesus is descriptive about the ways that can be felt as punishment. The costly price of going to court, of dissolving unions, of failing to honor commitments, of being made to feel that we will not get out until we have paid the last penny. And when we sit with that penny, we are reminded of the widow who decided it was worth it to give. 
the would-be discarded one who believed she had something of significance to contribute, and in doing so challenged the community members who would take advantage of her. They had something to contribute to. Even though they forgot her, as if a broken shard once part of people's lives, she respected the well-being she shared with her neighbors. And she restored faith in what is possible because she showed up. She recalled a vision of community they once shared. We encounter God through one another. With a penny, we are offered a future worth hoping for. Moses promises that however far we are scattered, God will gather us in, or perhaps we will gather each other. Even if we falter, even if we are outcasts at the ends of the world, from there God will fetch us and bring us weathered and beautiful to a land of promise, a chocolate sea of soil. There, the sunlight of possibility will bind us together once more. From one pot shard to another, may it be so. Amen.